This is CliffCentral.com. What does it take to have the initiative at a mere 21 years of age, not knowing what lies ahead, yet having enough passion, resilience, and dedication to pursue something? A simple yet important question that needs to be asked in light of the high unemployment crisis our young people currently find themselves in. Now, perhaps there's a chance that you too, as a young person, can take the initiative that we're going to be speaking about instead of following the conventional path. Good afternoon to our listeners and welcome to the Youth Leadership Platform on cliffcentral.com, brought to you by Leadership Platform in association with Student Brands. You're with Sasha Lee Gonzalez, and I am truly excited for the conversation we'll be having today, especially because I think it kind of taps into something that is more different than to what we usually speak about on the show. So joining me in studio to lead the discussion from the other side of the table is founder and CEO of iLearn, Richard Rain, the young person that I was referring to earlier on that, you know, had that passion and relentlessness in wanting to pursue what he wanted to pursue. Um, I'm referring to him. So, yeah, I'm really excited to have him join us. And thank you so much for taking the time, Richard. It's an absolute honor. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, Richard, 21 years old. I want to jump straight into that and, you know, the fact that you need to have a great amount of, like, tenacity and passion to follow through with something, to follow through with it. Because, you know, I think a lot of 21-year-olds, they have the idea there, but the how-to and, you know, even if they have the how-to figured out, you know, just the dedication to follow through with it, it takes a lot, you know, and to follow through with a business plan at that age and actually have it become something as successful as I learn is today. Um, I want to jump into that, but we have to backtrack a bit at first. Um, so what is iLearn, the very basics? So iLearn is a corporate learning solutions company mm-hmm. where we provide business skills and general IT curriculum to mid to large size companies where we deliver it either in-person, instructor-led, or online e-learning solutions and is a combination of accredited CETA-based programs and uh, what we call our digital learning products, which encourages and promotes online learning-related technologies. Okay, so now you started this out at such a young age, having freshly graduated from UNISA, correct? Correct. Um, and you were ready to fill a gap that you saw. Now, most of the time, as I said earlier, you know, 21 year old headed startups go towards something a bit more on the glamorous side, you know, blogging or fashion designing or whatever it may be and or whatever is a trend at that moment in time. And so some would admittedly see this startup as a pretty boring one to have headed into as a 21 year old. Absolutely. Um, it's far too serious for a yeah, 21 year old. It really is. So, you know, I think there are also those listeners though who actually want to start up something of a similar nature and they're thinking to themselves, wait, like how do I go into this? If it's not glamorous and out there, how is it going to be a success? So, um, how was your mind? How was Richard's mind operating or functioning as a 21 year old specifically in terms of becoming an entrepreneur? And how did you manage to see or find the gap that you did? What is, was it like a sit down brainstorming session? Did you think of it while you were in the shower? Was it random while you were studying? What was it? It was synchronicity. And so it was a series of events, which I want to reverse engineer the story to explain what got me to the point to decide to start a business and to start an education business that, um, that when I look back now was really uh, almost blind, youthful, unconscious decision, but fueled with passion and purpose. Mm -hmm. So my story is that I grew up in Johannesburg Mm -hmm. and I watched my father build 
a business in the auto glass industry. Oh wow! And he uh, took over uh, my mom's father's business uh, when I was, you know, at a young age of four or five, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And every Saturday morning, I would go with him to his workshop in Ros- Rosettenville in town, and I would watch him operate. Oh, I wow, would okay. have the the luxury of actually seeing how a business runs. So I, for as long as I can remember, the definition of success for me was visualizing myself uh, in a suit, traveling in a Golf 1 GTR. Wow. That was like you've made it. And so I had this picture, you know, this, this picture of success with a trap, perhaps the material trappings that I think one does have when you, mm. when you're younger and you think that's important. Um, that, uh, that it was almost in my DNA. Mm. So from in high school times, I was wheeling and dealing. I had really? my first opportunity in, um, in what do they call it now? Grade 10, so standard nine. Yeah. Where, uh, we had to sell advertising in the school magazine and we, uh, and we won the prize for having sold the, the most adverts. Oh, and wow. we literally opened up the yellow pages and cold called companies to, uh, to advertise in our school magazine. And then, um, you know, and there was all sorts of other harebrain ideas that, that didn't work that, uh, that I got a, a taste of what it means to almost be, be a trader, to mm-hmm. be able to buy and sell products. And so when I finished, when I finished school at the age of 18, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do, but, uh, like, uh, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be in business, mm-hmm. uh, but, and my mother was, uh, was a teacher. She was a remedial teacher and she was very forceful in ensuring that I got a university degree. So I did a BCom and, uh, I actually partied more than I went to lectures. So I took a bit longer to complete my BCom. Uh, fortunately, because that's what led to, uh, it being the catalyst to wow. starting my business. Okay. So what happened was, uh, so all the while through university, I was, uh, again, I was putting on parties at clubs. Oh, wow. In fact, we actually got Gareth Cliff to be one of the, the DJs or MCs at one of the, one of our events. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm showing my age. I'm starting to feel old when I start talking about that long ago. <laughs> But, um, but we, I, you know, I had fun doing it. You know, there was all the, all the things that we were doing, I enjoyed. You know, mm-hmm. it was, uh, and, and, and really it was for extra pocket money. But, uh, but I, but I learned how to deal with people. I learned how to deal with difficult situations. Yeah. I learned how to deal with cash flow and, uh, raising, raising money, um, and selling myself effectively. And so in my last year at university, I had to play catch up and I took on more than I could handle. And at the time, there was a graduate recruitment program with a very impressive business consulting, uh, management consulting company that offered me a job on the provisor that I qualified and completed my BCom. And this was to become a business analyst. And I didn't know what the hell that was, but I knew I needed to get a job and I needed to do it quickly. Yeah. So I unfortunately failed two out of the 10 exams that I had to write. They rescinded the, uh, the offer. And in defiance, I said, well, bugger you, I'm going to do my own thing. Ooh, okay. And so, but up until that point, one of the other 
ways that I tried to make money was, uh, so now we're talking 99, 2000, uh, was really when email started and oh, Skype yes. and, you know, and the internet. If you remember those old dial-up modems course, that we yeah. had to use? <laughs> and, uh, at the time in Johannesburg, there was a mass emigration to Australia and America and London mm. and, uh, which were a lot, a lot of people my, my age or similar age and the parents were left behind. So I would go around teaching these uh, mothers and fathers really? how to email and Skype their children who had emigrated. No. And by the time I had to write exams, I had built up quite a sizable client base. And I had to put them on hold and say, listen, I've got to get through this BCom. And, um, and they were quite frustrated. So they anyway, wanted so, you to be there to teach them. Of course, they needed to talk to their children. It was important, which I now have two children I can understand. I understand, yeah. So... By the time uh, the offer had been uh, rescinded and I now had to make another plan, um, in really unconscious, blind thinking and youthful passion and and purpose, I said, well, buggy, I'm going to do my own thing. And so, and that's how I started. And I went back to all those customers and started training them more regularly. I started defining a more uh, formal uh, curriculum and... And I kind of feel that the the rationale for getting into this type of a business mm-hmm. was the marriage between my mother being a remedial teacher and my father being in business. And kind of I naturally had to go into a training business of sorts. Um, but there was this um, perhaps inherent connection to my personal purpose yeah. of, of helping other people. I know really. that's very important to you and it making is. an impact. So Yeah, very much so. And I have the luxury now of being able to marry a, a profit or commercial reasons whilst at the same time making a significant impact on people and giving them hope and opportunity that they ordinarily would never have access to. And that, uh, I mean, that's a blessing. So, yeah, so that's, so that's my story and how I started. Can you believe it? And it's not like your conventional, okay, well, I go and I study and then, you know, I finish within the allocated time or, you know, the minimum amount of time and then I go into a job. It's completely, and I think that's important because it kind of, it kind of shows off the idea that you don't need to be the standardized, you know, textbook type of person to make a success. Absolutely. You can fail modules. You can do this. You can do that. You can, you know, um, have your moments where uh, it's a failure, but you can come out of that. And how important do you think it is for our listener base and young people out there to realize, listen, you failed three modules a semester, but you're not, you're not a disaster. I mean, I've seen so many people who have literally just based on that in their third, Mm. second, second, third, fourth year of university, just based on that, they'll, they'll cut it out completely. They'll say, well, this is the end. You know, I failed. So there's nothing. In South Africa, failure is seen quite negatively. Mm-hmm. Comparatively, in the US, they actually praise it because the amount that you learn through failure, as yeah. you can hear from my story, yeah. is can be uh, little significant life events that shape you to who you are in the future. So, so yeah. But I think also, you know, it also depends on attitude. And attitude as a kid in your youth, I think, to a large extent, is constructed by your upbringing, mm-hmm. be it uh, grandparents, a mentor, or your parents, or whatever it is, yeah. that instill certain values of, um, you know, f- fundamental values that make up who you are, things like never give up, mm-hmm. things like being passionate, things like living a life to the fullest and not accepting mediocrity, 
you know, those sort of things you learn through the hard knocks, the school of hard of knocks of life. And those are very much um, present in your upbringing. Very much so. Yeah. What about the kid who doesn't have that? What about uh, the kid? That's a tough one. What about the kid who mm. literally has no one there for them or the people yeah. that are there for them? They, they do. They're fine living a, a life full of mediocrity, but that kid wants to rise above it. They Absolutely. don't have those influences. What about them? You know, the best stories that we celebrate as humans are those that have come from significant adversity to turn that into success. Mm. And how, you got to say, how do they do that? How does someone come from no money, living on the streets, to uh, meaningful employment, creating wealth and uh, and perhaps a legacy. And and in South Africa, because of the nature of the country, we have so many of those stories. Mm. I mean, so, some of my staff on our team have got similar stories where really? you know parents have died because of AIDS, and they uh, were parented by grandparents. Then the grandparents die. Then they go into uh, orphanages, and and now they have their own lives, and they living. And earning a meaningful income mm-hmm. and creating their own successes. And unequivocally, that's attitude. Attitude. I think it's so important yeah. because I guess you're right. You know, you could have the child who has it all and the financial resources, exactly. family-related influences, but yet does nothing with it. And then the one absolutely the other end yeah. of the spectrum does everything with nothing. So. And that's the message I want to get across. It's not about what you come from or what you have, material wealth mm. or whatever it is. You, it's something that's inbred within you that drives you to achieve your ultimate goal or yeah. purpose or whatever that may be. And, and, and that's a tough one. At 21, I've got to be honest with you. I only wanted to make money. That was, that was my driving force. It was, it, yes, it was whilst helping people at the same time, but I was running away from being poor. Yeah. And not running towards uh, achieving success or making a difference or making an impact or, or whatever it is. And I think, and, and, and I think, um, with, uh, you know, at that age, that's natural. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, you're starting off your career. You want to make a success of yourself and you have hopes and dreams and, and that's what drives you. And unfortunately, unfortunately, money makes the world go round and, uh, and earning an income and, uh, and, and getting meaning, meaningful employment mm-hmm. is a basic prerequisite to being, to enabling you to be able to realize where you want to go. So the vehicle that you choose in what career, uh, organization, industry, yeah. market will, will determine, um, whether you are transferring the ability to realize your purpose in, in that, in that way, using whatever uh, work means you have. I completely agree. So now, how did you know, or how did you have this firm belief and faith to pursue something that you thought, okay, you said it did, it, it helped a lot of old people when you first started out. It really did. But how did you <laughs> yes. continue that thought? How did you know that this was going to help people and be a real solution to their problems? How did you know that iLearn was actually going to solve people's problems? So I think the, the, the key fundamental uh, rationale for starting and carrying on what we did mm-hmm. was this idea of providing a more personalized learning experience. Okay. So I had been through university education. I had done some uh, very advanced IT certificate, Microsoft certifications, and it was lectures on lectures on lectures and days and days of training, and it's like brain overload yeah. without the ability to really uh, fundamentally immediately apply what what I was learning. Mm. And so, and that's where, and that was the unique competitive edge that I thought we had. 
in fact, iLearn used to be called on-site training. Yes. And our uniqueness was that we would go on-site to a client and we would chunk the learning over a period of time, giving people the ability to apply the learning in between the learning sessions and have mm-hmm. the opportunity to consult with your facilitator from one session to the next. And in those days, literally nobody did that. You had training colleges with a menu of courses and a menu of dates, and you had 20 different people from 20 different backgrounds, and the learning experience was, as a result, uh, generic. Mm-hmm. And it was in no way uh, – you weren't able to um, – to stand out and for the facilitator to spend, you know, an hour just just with you yeah. to uh, to go at either at your pace or to apply to your scenario environment. So 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 that was our co- our competitive edge where I thought that we c- we could do it better in being able to gain greater productivity and learning impact by doing it the way that that we did it. And 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 that's really the how and why I started. And you know, suppose uh, as any entrepreneur, when starting a business, you think you can do it better. Of course. Yeah. So and that's that was the rationale. Now, taking what you've mentioned about iLearn and the principles or the elements that you put in place to differentiate yourself from other businesses. Okay, there wasn't anything around at that time, as you've mentioned. Yes. But even so, if there had have been, you had something different. Do you think many of iLearn's principles would actually solve a lot of the educational issues we have today in our schooling systems? So at your own pace, one on one. Absolutely. So I mean so I've had to reinvent Myself over the 16 years that I've been in this business, probably four or five times. Elaborate. So re- reinvent means uh, we were agile enough to be able to accommodate the shift in the demands of our marketplace. Mm-hmm. So we started off doing uh, IT, IT training only. Then we started offering a business skills curriculum as well because yeah. there was a demand for it. Then all of our competitors started doing exactly what we were doing. So now our unique differentiating was actually the rationale to rebrand to iLearn uh, was, you know, there was nothing there. So we then started offering online and e-learning um, uh, delivery models. And then more recently, there was a demand for accredited learning, CETA-based accredited mm. quality uh, qualifications. And so we started offering that. So, uh, so, so we've had to adjust to the market demands to understand how and how people learn, how they can learn better, and how we can shift the organi- our organization to be able to deliver those sort of services. So now with the benefit of hindsight and seeing how the different methodologies of learning uh, makes an impact, mm-hmm. and now today with um, the most unbelievable learning uh, technologies, mobile apps, artificial intelligence, learning using virtual reality, and uh, and all these these cool cool things. When I when you think about that application in the workplace, as opposed to simply our traditional model with yeah. a teacher in front of us, uh, almost vomiting information mm-hmm. onto us with a textbook, it's um, it's not sustainable, and the quality of Learners coming out of matric at the moment, besides for the fact that the Department of Education and the quality of the curriculum is really, really disadvantaging South Africans coming out of matric because of the quality of delivery. But looking at uh, from a more positive perspective and seeing where schools have included online learning technologies and other uh, mechanisms to deliver learning yeah. outside of the traditional model, it's having a huge impact on the quality of people that are, that are coming out of schools. 
I heard you took out a loan to start Ireland. I did. Is that correct? That is even more than merely taking the initiative to start up like a free Facebook page. Do you have any idea how scary that was? Let's be honest. I want to go back to that scary point in time. <laughs> Were you ever like, okay, what was your thinking just when you had to go and take out that loan? Like, I'm going, this is going to be a failure. This is, it, it wasn't. You were very firm in your belief. Yes. But I mean, that must have taken a lot. Very much so, yeah. And to have, uh, I think, debt at 21 years old is uh, is scary because, you know, while I was completely passionate and highly motivated and was like I was going to be a gajillionaire by 30, yeah. um, that is what I went on, blind faith, to be honest with you. I had no business plan. I had uh, no um, formal strategy of how we were going to uh, grow the business by 40% within three years like we currently do, uh, which I wish I would have known then. <laughs> but uh, perhaps maybe I wouldn't have carried on had I known what I'd known today. And, um, and really, I used the money to enable me. Mm. That's really what it was. So it was using it as a mechanism to bringing in more business. Mm -hmm. So I focused on sales and marketing yeah. to the extent that I stood on the Greystone off-ramp and handed out flyers. <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, this is passion people. This is passion. This is, you know, and, uh, and then I got all the guy, all the, the beggars, uh, who were around the area. I would give them some money and I gave them a, a t-shirt with oh, our brand on to, to hand out the flyers. And that was a huge success. I mean, we picked up lots of customers that this way. This is proper entrepreneurialism. Like really, it really is. That, during this, were you ever targeted by people who were, never mind older than you, but the same age as you who couldn't see what you saw, who told you that, listen, Richard, you, you're insane to take a loan out. Like, I got that all the time. Really? I mean, all my friends were still jawling and, uh, and possibly studying, doing postgraduate degrees and, uh, doing the two year London stint. Oh, yes. And while they were all partying and having fun, I was, uh, handing managing cash flow yeah. and handing out flyers. Yeah. But when I look back now, um, I'm so glad I did that. And I'm so glad I started young because, I, and, and there's pros and pros and cons to it because the, the pro is that I got a head start. Mm -hmm. The cons is that I had to learn at my own expense. I had to uh, pay what they call school fees uh, for lessons learned, where typically if you work for someone, you can make mistakes at their expense. True enough. And if you work for a bigger organization, it's not, then it's not a big deal. But uh, when you're turning every rand over to make sure that you're spending it in the right way, it can, uh, it can be painful. So, yeah. So now, how do you – place emphasis on people starting out young because you've mentioned how risky it is yes. um but correct me if i'm wrong you would place far more positive um positivity over starting young than the negativity very much so so how important is it for the young people or well, the young people to start out young and not wait until they're in their 30s or mm. late 20s or early 40s whatever it may be to actually begin so the best part about starting young is that you are unencumbered you don't have home loans and children and grocery bills and life expenses. You can get by with little expense, which means your risk is much less. Mm -mm. So your, so, so even if you do take a loan and you do take on debt, you've got 30, 40 years to still of working capacity to be able to still continue doing other things and making a success. And if you, and the reality is if you don't try, how do you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I really think that 
you've got to bet yourself, bet on yourself. If you are unequivocal about your beliefs and your attitude is in the right place and that, and, and yes, and there's, then there's the commercial side that, is it a good idea? Is it a good business? Yeah. Is there a market opportunity? Mm-hmm. Are there many competitors? Um, I think that's all, you know, you, you can't discount that, but, um, but the ability to be the master of your own destiny by running your own show has a huge empowering effect on, on, on your, on your, on your own being, being self-confidence and, uh, belief in, in you know, instilling a, an unequivocal belief in yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and that backing yourself is really, I think, a life lesson that you, you cannot learn from someone else. You have to walk the road. Yeah. And do you think that education, okay, I'm all for education. I really am. But do you think that it is the determining factor as to whether you will be successful or not? You know, I'm conflicted by that because you look at uh, Harvard dropouts like uh, mm. Bill Gates and uh, Richard Branson and all these guys who didn't get formal education or, and, and I know huge successes. But then similarly, there are incredibly successful people with MBAs and, mm, yeah. and, and what have you. But for me, there's nothing better than learning from life. And learning, so we call it the, the school of hard knocks <laughs> of learning, um, by your own actions, by your own doing, by your own, um, abilities. Yeah. And, but having said that, the BCOM that I did yeah. really underpinned my awareness and perspective mm. of business. And without that foundation, I wonder whether I would be as, successful and knowledgeable about business. So I definitely think it makes a difference. But at the same time, even since doing the BCom, I'm an insatiable learner. Mm-hmm. I'm always, I mean, I read the business day almost every day. Yeah. I want to know what's happening in the market, even in territories and businesses that are completely unrelated. Okay. But the ability to understand business and what happens in the marketplace gives you great perspective for, you, for your own business and, and how you can apply it. And uh, I'm often on, uh, you know, formal business training programs. And yes. I have a mentor. I have a coach. You have a mentor. I do. Richard has a mentor. <laughs> so that was actually one that? of the most important things I wanted to say as a, as a youthful person at 21. Before you start the business, get a mentor. Why? Like literally just put it out there for those people who don't know. Okay. Everyone pretty much knows what a mentor is. If you don't, you can Google it. Um, but the importance of having a mentor. It's a game changer. I didn't have one. So I had a, um, I mean, I had my father to turn to, mm-hmm. but you know, it can be complicated with family. Whereas, um, if you've got an unbiased, uh, uninvested person yes, that yes. can give you, uh, you know, pro- proper advice and guidance that is worth gold. So, so interestingly, when I was standing on the side of the highway and, uh, trying to pick up business, I decided to put an advert in the, uh, which was the Santon Health and Racket Club. Oh, wow. All right. So that was, that was way back when in the little aerobics timetable, I put a, uh, an advert and, um, the founder of the Kelly group, Responded to that message. Oh, wow. And then what turned out to be a client, I went every Saturday morning for five or six years mm. to help him teach computers and whatever. You, and what would happen after or before the session is we, he would end up mentoring me and giving me advice about business and learning this and hearing the stories and the lessons that he had in the, in the Kelly group and building a, a monster of a business. 
And it was those, you know, those sort of people that influenced me along the way that, and that also guided me, whether it was hard business advice mm-hmm. or it was a personal emotional guidance. Do you think you can be your own mentor? No. Okay. I don't. Why? Because we have what we call a monkey brain. Okay. Which, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> which is this ongoing churn in our minds of thoughts and feelings, which we start to create nonsense stories. Mm. And without an external person giving us perspective, I mean, it's, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole. So, yeah. so I think it's, uh, it's very wise to have a sounding board to take those, that monkey brain and make it and make sense of it. So to invest in a mentor. Invest in a mentor, absolutely. So now let's go back to iLearn and delve a bit further into the ins and outs of what you offer as of today. So yes. iLearn focuses on workplace learning specifically because it caters for an employee and an employer's needs. Now, how so? So our core business, and we have uh, different divisions and different sections in the business, but our core business is accredited learning, yeah. which means that we have uh, qualification, registered qualifications with uh, industry bodies called CETAs, which mm-hmm. are the sector education training authorities that give us the uh, the accreditation to provide our general business and general IT curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so what we offer to businesses is those learning solutions which meet the pain points or, or or maybe maybe it's not a pain, but rather a solution to the macroeconomic levers that drive business today, which is the Black Economic Empowerment Codes. Uh, there are many uh, tax incentives promoting skills development within companies. Mm-hmm. There's bucket loads, not bucket, truckloads of funding and money available uh, through through the CETA framework and other funds where uh, it's used to grease the wheels to enable businesses to um, to uh, basically pay for the training that we deliver. And so we have our core business, which is accredited. We also have our digital learning business where we go, to, where we provide HR managers and, and their companies with learning platforms, online e-learning and mobile learning wow. um, uh, uh, courses. It's really extensive. So it's extensive. Yeah. So we try and look at a client as holistically and looking mm-hmm. at what their strategic direction is and how we can apply a learning solution for their staff, which enables them to meet some of the, the compliance requirements like BEE as well as mechanisms to help guide employees to climb the corporate ladder and to enable career progression. Wow. So would you say that having graduated, I know we're going back now, but having graduated from a distance learning institution, yes, this obviously must have impacted your choice of, you know, what you've done with iLearn. Um, would you say that that was an impact? Very much so. Yep. Yeah. So self-paced learning mm-hmm. is hard. It's, you need a lot of discipline. You need to um, be motivated to stay on track. I actually did go to uh, lectures because I was not one of those disciplined people um, in my early years. And, um, and, and, and that helps. So, so looking at it now in what we offer and especially some of the online learning technologies and um, coupled with the accredited learning, uh, it, it's, uh, it requires – uh, project management to mm-hmm. enable the learner to get over the finish line and to, as, as opposed to here's your learning, uh, call, call me when you need me. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely more effective 
to have a subject matter expert, which are facilitators, which uh, guide our learners uh, through the curriculum, and the and most importantly, the application of mm. that learning in the workplace. So we we are big proponents of don't just learn for theory for theory's sake to get yeah. a to get a certificate to put mm-hmm. on the wall but to be able to actually in real time apply the skills that you're learning in the workplace and that and and I mean that's huge benefit for an organization because they're teaching people to make an impact on the business to, yes. to grow them or make them more productive or whatever it may be and uh, and so we can see the effect immediately from from the training that we do almost kind of taking an employee and changing their mindset of being an employee to being a business person in their own way exactly that kind of, yeah. yeah yeah that's actually called an intrapreneur with an i oh. where you get someone in a business that operates within a framework and within a context of the business but with the personality of an entrepreneur so now i know you've always had a strong desire to be impactful and meaningful throughout Everything you do and within everything you do. Um, so what impact do you wish to have through iLearn and what you do and what it has to offer and how important to you is it to have an impact in what you do rather than to do, than to do what you just do? So it's a great question because we have just gone through the most incredible strategic uh, process where we outlined and designed what we call our DNA. Oh, wow. Okay. And our DNA constructs of our purpose statement, mm-hmm. our mission statement, yeah. our vision, and our values. Okay. So the purpose statement is like our guiding light, and our purpose statement is empowering people to empower others. Oh. And what that really means is through the, through the use of education is we can make an impact on one person who can pay it forward. Effectively, who mm-hmm. can then make an impact on the, on their surrounding community, be it with in business and their family, the community, or whatever it yeah. is. And then we define that about how we're going to do that, which is our mission statement. Our vision statement is what we want to achieve in 20 years' time. And then we have a set of values that defines the behaviors and um, and, and boundaries of how we how we do that within our organization of uh, of 80 staff members. So so that's really been quite an enlightening experience for me and the, and the rest of the rest of our business to connect the personal constitution of each employee mm-hmm. with that with that of the business and like I said earlier using iLearn as a vehicle to realizing their own purpose through through what we do. What is your aim with iLearn moving forward? What does iLearn have in store for us? So uh, we we very uh, clear on uh, our future direction, okay. the impact that we want to have, and and where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And the core the core goal that we have at the moment is to train seven thousand people by twenty twenty wow, okay. on our accredited. Uh, learning programs and what that means is that we effectively are giving 7,000 people through our customers, our business customers, the opportunity to gain a recognized qualification mm. whilst uh, gaining employment. So the, the so that product, which is called a learnership, is predominantly focused on youth unemployment, where the greatest problem at the moment is the youth are saying, we want to get a job, but the companies are saying, but we need work experience. But the, and the youth are saying, but hold on, how do we get the youth, how do we get the work experience if you don't give us the opportunity? I'm 22 years old and you're requiring 24 years of experience. Exactly. So what's so cool about a learnership is that 
the fundamental part of the, the product and the program is it's 30% learning and mm-hmm. 70% work experience. Oh, fantastic. So we're actually placing unemployed learners who typically can't find a job for whatever reason, giving them meaningful work for a year so they're gaining the work experience and then exiting with a qualification. Now, these are matric – so let's let's call these are matric mm-hmm. uh, graduates yeah. who are now unemployed trying to find a job and uh, and maybe are doing menial work whereas in this in this way they can enter a formal workplace mm-hmm. uh get gain experience and then gain qualifications which they can then use as backup to prove that they are skilled in the in the role that they provide like what more could you ask for it's it's uh, and this is what's so cool uh, about the government's role is mm. they they create these macroeconomic uh, platforms for people to be able to take advantage of them uh, and is perhaps another way of assisting with the unemployment problem so th- and what's re- what's even cooler is that that product is linked into a compliance requirement for companies oh, wow. so companies okay. have to do it this is what this is an important thing. It's Companies, not a want. It's a that it's not. It's not a case of whether they should or shouldn't. Yeah. They have to train a certain amount of unemployed people every single year because they get rewarded for it. So they mm. get a tax incentive, they get funding, and they get uh, points on the BE scorecard. So there are lots of companies, mid to large size companies, that are driven mm-hmm. to place unemployed people in these programs. Leadership. Yes. How important and integral has it been in your journey from 21 to wherever you are now? How long, uh, I mean, how important has it been in this journey, you know, within yourself and also um, externally, you know, seeing, observing other people and how they take leadership and how they apply it within themselves and, you know, how that may have affected you, their type of leadership towards you. So how important do you think it is to um, place importance on leadership? Mm. So, why, why, why the question of leadership? So, when running a team of people, of human beings, mm. that have chosen an organization to work for, for whatever reason, hopefully it's because there's a, a connection between the individual's purpose and that of the organization, mm-hmm. it's up to the leaders to keep everybody on the bus and keep them yeah. motivated and keep them on the path to achieving success and productivity that the the machine is well oiled in the business that uh staff walk through the door every day punching the air saying this is the place I want to yeah. be in and that and that's the effect of good leadership so good leadership drives team members to want to do what they do every day and so for me so I'm going to re- reverse to the importance of mentorship because at 21 I'd hadn't a clue what it meant to be a good leader. Yeah. And when you're starting on your own, um, you know, and, and without guidance or mentorship, you aren't, it's a skill that you actually have to be taught. And so I, over the years, have admired and watched significant leaders in the business community, people like Adrian Gore of Discovery, mm. people like David Frankel who brought internet to South Africa, and, and some similar uh, well-renowned uh, leaders who have large teams of people buying into the greater good of what they do. And that, and that's really powerful. So, and, and that skill is, so the leadership skill for me is a combination of, 
motivational slash inspirational um, interventions within mm-hmm. the business to mm-hmm. keep people inspired and motivated. And the other is also in the hard times or in conflict situations or, or negative situations of how you can lead a person out of that into optimistic positive situations. And the skill of being able to do that and that people management is, is, is for me, uh, an absolute, uh, fundamental requirement in driving a team towards a particular goal or journey. So based on what you've just said, which I really, I really do agree with and I think it's important. Um, what are your three, perhaps basic, but your three main leadership principles that anyone could apply throughout their lives? It's a great question. So the, the key one for me is authenticity okay. and transparency. You know, they talk about B2C, business to consumer, or B2B, business to business. The authenticity connection for me is H2H, which is human to human. Wow, okay. In being able to have a real conversation, whether you're dealing with the street sweeper mm. or you're dealing with a, the CEO of an organization. So for me, as a fundamental leadership quality, to be able to just level with someone and be real with someone is, um, in my leadership style, I think it has really been uh, part of our success and the ability to connect with people. The other leadership quality for me is, you know, there's a a very uh, cool saying that people judge you by your behavior, not Mm -hmm. by your intent. So you might intend to be a good person, but then you lie and you cheat. But people don't know that you actually intended to be a good person because they don't know what's going on in your mind. So that, you know, you, you can only judge by behavior. True so for me as a leader, I have to behave in a certain way that will promote a certain value or, uh, or, or buy in mm. to me and the business. So the ability, the leadership uh, ability to be always motivational. Always inspiring, always guiding, always passionate about what you do, uh, rubs off on people. And so when you walk into the office and you walk in with an optimistic, positive attitude, that leads people, that motivates and inspires people to want to be there. So I think that's, that's been very important for us. And then I'd say the, the third leadership trait that has really driven to, to our success is the ability to collaborate. Hmm. So you get you get autocratic leaders and you get maybe democratic leaders. And the autocratic leader is the you will do what I what I tell you to do, and the democratic leader is let's have a discussion and all agree. Yeah. And I'm a big proponent of that. So the, a collaborative uh, style of uh, running an organisation. Um, there are times where you got to be autocratic and you got to make a decision, but involving everyone and getting their buy-in and getting them included also makes them feel a part of something bigger. It's awakening their leadership potential, is it not? Very much so. Very much so. And giving them the ability to have a say, mm-hmm. effectively, as opposed to being told to just follow instruction. Yeah. You're actually robbing them of the ability to learn uh, by, by doing that. So, so I think, yeah, so I think those three, three things, so it's authenticity, passionate and collaboration are, um, have been critical to, to our success. Boom, bang. So now what do you want our youth to know going forward? If you were the last string of hope they had left in what you're about to say, what would you tell them? Attitude. I think that is 
the fundamental defining um, trait as to whether someone is going to be successful or not. And I, I, if I can just, if you'll just allow me the time to give you a story about one of my staff who chased us to join our organization. Now, this was a, this was a young guy, mm-hmm. um, 21 years old, who had very, had very little experience in our industry, but had, had, had a taste. But ordinarily for the position that we were hiding, he, he, he didn't cut the grade. Okay. But the way he approached me, approached our senior leadership in his insatiable uh, motivation to be a part of our organization and to prove his level of uh, motivation and optimism and but and self-belief that mm. that that was the the attitude connection that we actually gave him the job wow. just on that basis without the the skills requirement whatever so we thought you know we'll hire him for his attitude and his culture connection to to our business and we'll teach him and this guy has just absolutely excelled in the business Fantastic. and it's actually become uh, a a model story for the rest of our team to show you how important you know that is so for the young youth of 21 year olds out there right now it's all about your attitude your attitude what's the what's i know it's so cliched but your attitude determines your altitude but it but it really does it really does So attitude, attitude, attitude. Lastly, Richard, thank you so much for joining us. But please mention the iLearn contact and social media details for those who wish to contact iLearn and also to keep up to date with iLearn. The best uh, places, well, is two places. Our website, Mm -hmm. which is www.ilearn.co.za. And the other is on LinkedIn. We're big fans of LinkedIn, LinkedIn. where you can see our ongoing uh, motivational Monday posts and and all sorts of other cool posts. um, adverts and, and especially for, uh, unemployed learners where we look for to recruit people to enter into some of our programs. So, so that would be a good place to start. There you have it. Attitude, 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 all from Richard Rain, CEO of iLearn. And I'm so happy to have had Richard in studio talking to us about this because I think it's so important to speak about, you know, the basics of leadership within youth. And, you know, you don't need to follow a conventional path to be successful. And then again, what is success? It is what you define it to be. So there you have it. Attitude. Make sure it's in check all the time and you'll be some sort of successful that you see or you deem fit for yourself. This is the Youth Leadership Platform with Sasha Lee Gonzalez. Keep up to date with us on YLP Cliff Central on Twitter and Instagram and Youth Leadership Platform on Facebook. Until next time, bye. This is CliffCentral.com.